0: Tonight I want to talk about you and your daughter. And uh, you say, well, I don't have a daughter. Well, that's okay. We'll, we'll, get, we'll talk about something in a minute that you'll, you'll relate to, I think. If you want to, we're going to just kind of move through the book of Proverbs. So you, you turn to the 14th chapter, if you will, and that's where we're going to begin. 14th chapter of Proverbs. And you, you, you want to keep your uh, Bible handy because we're going to look at several passages as we do this kind of an in-depth study. I would give everything that I have for two godly daughters. This was a lament, the lament of a woman who... Had much worldly goods. Her her husband uh, was quite successful. He, in fact, he made a fortune, and they had a the largest business in in the city, uh, this city, and were involved successfully in four other enterprises. Everything they touched turned to gold. And they had this mansion for a house, a swimming pool, and a putting green outside in a tennis court, four sparkling new automobiles in the driveway. And it was her lament because her two daughters were promiscuous. One of them was a high school dropout. And she said, I would give everything I own for two godly daughters. I guess that really is the heart cry of every Christian parent, that his children grow up to be godly, to have a godly life. And um, I suppose that we've all been on our knees before the Lord and prayed, Oh God, help us to develop our children into women, into men of God. Now, I don't have all the answers about what I want to start talking about, do in the next three Sunday nights, but There are some very practical answers, there is some practical help from the most practical book in the Bible, and that's the book of Proverbs. It's a how-to book, and so I want us to look at some of those answers that are found there. Now, the book of Proverbs does speak to daughters. You, of course, understand that the uh, Bible is... Primarily speaks to the male. Now, I, you know, I, it's not male chauvinist, but because God, in His plan, uh, chose to bring His blessing through the, the, the male, the man, the head of the house, and upon the shoulders of the man, the father, the husband, was placed the great responsibility of, of religious instruction and religious training. Most of the direct Uh, Responsibility is directed to him, but it does speak to daughters. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs establishes or or sets uh, four pairs of women, four kinds of women, and he puts them in contrast with one another. And so you can just write those down, four pairs of women and contrast them. There is the foolish woman and the wise woman. The foolish woman and the wise woman. There is the contentious woman. The contentious woman and the gracious woman. There is what he calls the strange woman. You probably know several that would fit in. The strange woman and the virtuous woman. And then there is the indiscreet. The indiscreet are shallow woman. And the godly are the deep, that is, the profound woman. The godly, profoundly godly woman. So you got those four pairs of women. Tonight we're going to look at the foolish woman in contrast with the wise, the contentious woman in contrast with the gracious. It sure would help if you took some notes. Now, in chapter 14, verse 1, we get introduced to this first contrast. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. The wise woman builds, the foolish woman tears it down. Now, wherever you see the term "foolish," In the book of Proverbs, that, that word means dull or sluggish. It means thick, literally, thick-headed. It means dull or sluggish. So that this foolish woman is sluggish toward the things of God. The foolish woman is a woman that is bent on destruction. Now, these are not the four characteristics. It's introduction to that. The foolish woman is bent on destruction. She tears down, overthrows, destroys. And it is her nature to destroy. She's destructive by nature. And she's bent on overthrowing everything that is good and godly. Now, how do I know if I'm a parent, if I have a daughter who is foolish? I want you to look to chapter 20, verse 11. Chapter 20, verse 11. It is by his deeds that a lad distinguishes himself if his conduct is pure and right. The word distinguish there means to call attention to something. So that as a a child, a child calls attention to himself. He means by that that the child in the way he lives, in the way he acts daily, reveals what he is like. He reveals himself in daily practice. Now, how do I discover their daily practice? Well, the next verse, he talks about the eyes and the ears. What he's saying is this. Open your eyes, man. Open your eyes, parents. Open your ears and observe and listen to your children. And as you watch them, as you observe them, as you see them, and as you listen to what they say, they reveal what they are, what they're like. And that's the way you tell if you have a foolish daughter. Now, there are four characteristics of a foolish daughter. The first is found in chapter 9, verse 13. Please turn to that, chapter 9, verse 13. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. That means she does not comprehend or grasp the things of God. She is naive and knows nothing. So that the first characteristics char- characteristic of a foolish woman is she is boisterous. Now it doesn't mean to be full of energy. It doesn't mean to be... Um, Energetic and vivacious and athletic. It means one who is in constant commotion or turbulence. One who has this constant turbulence about them. Every time, wherever they are, there's controversy and conflict. They just seem to be in the eye of the storm all the time. So that all around them, there's Strife and controversy and conflict. It means one whose attitude is negative and tumultuous, always responding negatively. And they think of physical things, and it's hard to distinguish good and evil. They're boisterous. Second characteristic is found in the same chapter, verse 17. Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What that means is that a a foolish woman, a foolish girl, makes a mockery of sin. She has a calloused conscience. Water that's stolen just tastes better. You see the idea? Now, have have you ever um, become acquainted with some young people or maybe a young woman who... Doesn't really need, um, you know. They don't need what they, uh, you know. They they steal, but they don't need it. And they they're always seeking to add, you know, to themselves whatever. I mean, if it's even um, friends or whatever. Yeah, you know, but you know, they 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 make a mockery of sin. They have a callous conscience. Stolen water is sweet. When I, when I read this, I put in my margin um, stolen watermelons taste better. I remember as a kid, you know, I, I, I didn't like watermelon. And I, never, I, I still don't. I, I can't eat the stuff. And my, my father would have just patches of watermelon. You know, he raised watermelon out on a farm. I, I, wouldn't, I bet I wouldn't eat a watermelon in a year's time. You go out, but, you know, stealing them? You ever notice that, that when you steal one, it just tastes so much better? You ever know what I mean, as a kid, you know, stolen, <laughs> stolen watermelons just taste better. That's the idea. I mean, it just, it just, there's just some kind of an excitement about that that, that makes it seem better. Um, they have a conscience that is insensitive toward God. Now, I don't still steal watermelons think, you know, uh, something happened in my life. It changed that. But you understand what I'm saying. Third characteristic. Chapter 14, verse 8. Chapter 14, verse 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. But the folly of fools is deceit. Third characteristic. They're deceptive. They're masters of deceit. They're able to tell you point blank such and such when the opposite is true. Uh, they've absolutely convinced themselves, kind of, you know, they're, that that they can lie and 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 believe what they say. Um, they have an ability to smooth over wrong. in in their conscience immediately. They're able to justify everything they do. And they twist everything so that it comes out the way they want it to. They're able to take the truth and twist it and actually believe that. In other words, they're masters of deceit. I know some people who look you in the eye and tell you something that you know and they know is absolutely the opposite. They can just do it and feel good about it. Are masters of deceit. Fourth is found in the 20th chapter, verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. So the fourth characteristic is that they're quarrelsome. Now I need you to help, I need to help you understand what that word means from the Hebrew. It doesn't mean that they, you know, argue. It's, it's a word that means a, a, a sudden outburst like a temper tantrum. Um, a sense of tantrum. They're argumentative. They explode in anger all the time. They have a sharp fuse. They have temper tantrums. That sound like anybody you know. Now, what can you say about, as a parent, about a foolish daughter... The truth is that if you allow the bent to continue, the picture gets bleaker and bleaker. If you allow that bent to continue, when that daughter becomes an adult, it takes an act of God to change it. Now look at, right quickly, chapter 22, verse 15. There is an answer to it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, whatever that rod of discipline is, the point is not the rod, but the discipline. So that if there is a foolish daughter, there needs to be applied discipline while the bent can be straightened. Now, let's go back to chapter 14, verse 1, and we're going to look at the wise woman. She's constructive the foolish is destructive but the wise is constructive she builds and wherever you see that word wisdom or wise and it's all the way through the book of proverbs it conveys the idea of being favorable it's seeing god seeing life from god's perspective now here's the question how do you develop a wise woman a wise daughter all right take your bibles and turn to Proverbs 31, there's the marvelous, perfect answer. Now, we were studying tonight in church training how to take teaching and, and uh, if there is welling up in a catharsis, he talked about in there, a desire to do something, and then we leave without telling you how to do it. That's a tragic thing. So I'm going to uh, suggest some things you can do to, 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 to develop a a wise daughter. From Proverbs 31. First thing is found in verse 1 an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. First thing is this. Realize, help them realize the worth or the value of being wise help them realize the value or the quality of wisdom. Now, how do you do that? Well, it seems to me that that happens when they see parents placing priority where priorities need to be placed. Let me ask you this question, parents. When your children look at your life, where do they see you place values of priority? What do they see? as being valuable to you? Do they see that all of your energy and life is directed toward making money or accumulating things or is, you know, television, all that's important? What is, where do they see you place your values? So that the first thing in developing a wise daughter is teaching them the value or the worth of wisdom. Secondly, is found in verses 11 and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Second, develop in the child, in the daughter, a servant spirit. A servant spirit. Now this is the way you develop a servant spirit, it seems to me, for a, in a child is that that child sees the modeling of submission and caring for one another in the home. So that there is this mutual submission and caring for one another between the husband and the wife and, he's, and that child sees that modeled. And the, and, the, and the daughter understands that there is this role that a woman plays and that role is the role of submission as she sees her, wife, her mother submitting to her father and serving that way. And, and she sees the response of that father in submission to her mother. Third is found in verse 13. She looks for, f- wool, for wool and flax and works with her hands. So the third thing is to teach her the skills of her hands. Teach her the skills of her hands. Teach her how to sew how to cook, how to wash an iron, how to clean house. Sorry about that, girls. One of the most impressive things I remember as I was dating Margaret was the fact that she could sew, you know, a senior in high school, she could, she could sew anything. And I'd go out to her house, and her mother teacher, was teaching her to sew. I mean, she taught her to sew. She made me a suit one time. I wasn't, I wasn't so crazy about that. But she, 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 she had a great, great seamstress. Her mother taught her how, how to cook, how to sew. There's something wonderful occurs when this mother sits down with her daughter and teaches her how to use her hands, the skills of her hands. That's what he's talking about. Fourth thing, teach her how to handle money. Verses 14 and 16, she's like merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She, you, you teach her the basic facts of, of economics, how to handle money, how to, how to take care of an allowance, et cetera. Fifth, teach her the blessedness of hard work. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong, teach her the blessedness of hard hard work. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future, so that the sixth is to set some goals for your daughter. Set some goals for her. By the time that little child is old enough to start to school, she has this goal constantly before her, when you get out of high school, you're going to college, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you establish these goals as you watch your daughter fit into those goals. Every day she lives, you're impressing her with impressing upon her these goals that you've dreamed for her. How to develop a wise daughter. All right, secondly, let's look at the contentious and the gracious woman. 21 chapter 21 And the verse is 9, and we won't need any amens now on this because it could cause some problems. Verse 9, it is better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Verse 19 of the same chapter, it is better, it's getting worse, it's better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman in chapter 27 verse 15, a constant dripping on a, on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Just be careful if you utter amen so that you don't. Now, what does it mean to be contentious? What does that word mean? It means, to nag. Now That'll say enough. It means to nag. It's better to live up in the roof in the desert than to have a nag, you know, to live with a nag. Contentious woman, it means one who is easily angered, given to strife. Picks a fight. Loves a fight. Now, I, I, I grew up with a, I had an aunt. And um, I thought often, you know, um, my, her husband died a an, an premature, early death. And I wasn't surprised and shocked. I, I, you know, everything was always just picking a fight and nagging, complaining and griping. Contentious woman. Um, you, you probably have heard of, I'm sure you don't know anybody personally. Now, let me suggest some signs or some reasons why a daughter becomes contentious number 1 they never had she never had her will broken she never had her will broken every time it's interesting every time you see the word contentious in the book of proverbs it's a word that comes from a root word that means submission or obedience and it's a stylistic approach, a stylistic method that, that the author of the book of Proverbs used to take a word and to emphasize it, he would take its opposite. So that he took the word submission and obedience and drew the antonym, pointed out the opposite of that. It's the opposite of submission. It's the opposite of obedience, you see. So that the... That, uh, that, A person who has never learned to be obedient and who never had to be submissive, who always had their way, who always got everything they wanted, in the passing of time, developed this strong, stubborn streak called contention. You understand what I'm saying? Because they always got their way And they never submitted to anybody. They never yielded. They never obedient. And they were never made to be in the passing of time because their will was never broken. They developed this strong will. And that's a contentious woman. Second reason I think that, that daughters become contentious women is because contentious mothers will raise contentious daughters all things being equal contentious mothers will raise contentious daughters all things being equal that means that there are always exceptions but a contentious mother who is constantly nags and and, and loves to pick a fight loves to keep a quarrel going will have a daughter just like that. And the Living Bible says, of verse 27, A constant dripping on a rainy day and a cranky woman are much alike. You can no more stop her complaints than you can stop the wind or hold on to anything with oil slick hands. What a, what a word. You know what he's saying? He's saying that if a person is not corrected Before they become an adult woman, it's almost impossible to change. Let's look at a gracious woman. I know the time is about gone. Chapter 11, verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16. A gracious woman. A gracious woman attains honor. And violent men attain riches. The word attains honor, the term means to show favor or consideration. A gracious woman shows favor, shows consideration. She attains honor like violent men uh, robbing to get riches. It becomes the goal of her life to, to... to show favor. Now, a gracious woman shows favor in three ways she shows it with her lips, she shows it with her appearance, and she shows it in her responses. A gracious woman. Now, I'm thinking of tonight of gracious women that I have met, they just have the right words. And you know it's not just, you know, flattery. And they just look gracious, don't they? You you know what I'm talking about? They just have this gracious appearance. They're just, uh, they have a dignity about them. And they respond graciously, you know. I mean, they don't respond negatively or, you know, when something happens to them. They just just have a way of responding graciously. I love the, 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 that kind of person. Now, there are two characteristics of a gracious woman. Two characteristics of a gracious woman. One, she is a woman of appreciation. A woman of appreciation. Now, let me ask you this. Now, you, you, you're smart as I am. Most of you are smarter than I am. Few of you are not, but <laughs> most of you are. Now, if you're going to develop a, a, a child, a daughter, that is appreciative in nature, how are you going to do that? You're going to do that by creating an atmosphere of appreciation where she is, an environment of appreciation. You're going to tell her, you appreciate her when she does those things, not just when she does something, but appreciate her for as, as a person. You're going to express appreciation. She's going to grow up in an environment where members of the family express appreciation to one another, gratitude to one another. Say thank you to one another. see. One of the things I was uh, always impressed with uh, David Schurler was that he always expressed appreciation to his wife. Now, I thought that was a little corny at first, you know. But, you know, I first knew him. But, I mean, he, you'd thank folks here in the church for doing stuff, you know, here in the church. You ever notice that? Um, thanking uh, so-and-so for doing it. And and, and he'd always include some uh, public thanksgiving or appreciation to to Kathy. I I learned to appreciate that or respect that in him. Because oftentimes, the people that we neglect to express appreciation to for what they do, the people within our own little circle, you know. So we tell these folks around us, but we don't, Share that with a, as a family. You can go out of here tonight, you want something to do? All this next week, you know, once a day or some way, it'll shock her to death at first. She'll, you'll have to probably help her up, you know, after she fa- falls over and faints. But express some appreciation. Second, the second characteristic of this. Um, Gracious woman is this. Get this. She is affectionate. Affectionate. Gracious women are affectionate. They know how to touch. They know how to express love. Now, how are you going to teach, how are you going to help somebody to be affectionate? You're going to be affectionate. You're going to express love in, 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 uh, verbally. You're going to express love non-verbally. You're going to express love with a touch. And this child there, this daughter grows up seeing, you know, mother and daddy affectionate, loving each other, uh, touching each other, holding each other, caressing each other. And they feel, they, they get that from their parents. See, wonderful thing. Um, and so, all of a sudden, you've got this great figure out which you'd rather have, which you who you like best. Uh, I think we like a a wise woman as opposed to the foolish, and a gracious woman as opposed to the contentious. From here we go next week to the next two categories. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you that there is such tremendous help and instruction and guidance from your word. Lord, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers as well because I pray in Jesus name for his sake we're going to have just let the organist play one stands of invitation just to give somebody an opportunity who may be come tonight with the intent I know I preached a service in a revival one time and didn't have an invitation a guy came up to me after the service he said I came to church tonight to respond to an invitation you didn't give one after that, I made up my mind. I'd never have a service, never preach a sermon, whatever kind it was, I'd give somebody, give everybody a chance to make public a decision God laid on their heart to make. Now, we have three opportunities every time we come. An opportunity to, to publicly declare our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I've talked to people who have privately in their heart place their faith in Christ. They've never publicly done it. They've never come forward. They've never been baptized. This invitation is an opportunity for you to publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ. An opportunity perhaps for you to come and join the church. Or maybe you need to make a decision tonight publicly that will enable you to be a better Christian. Live more dynamically, uh, the Christian life. So we'll stand, and as Marianne plays, your heads are bowed. She plays through this one stanza. We invite you to come.